0: Welcome to Spooky South Ghosts. Look, I know
1: the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it doesn't. AM 1420, WPSN presents Spooky South Ghosts with your hosts, Tim Weisberg, Matt Foster, and Evan Russo. Hi
2: Spooky South Coast. We are back. My voice is not, but we are back. We're here for two hours again tonight. We are back into our regular time slot. And we want to hear from you, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500 for wear him in the cape. We want to talk about all things paranormal. And uh, we have a very special guest joining us tonight, Heidi Hollis, who runs the websites EUFODU.com. AlienAdvice.com and her new one, JesusIsNoJoke.com. And of course, Jesus is no joke if, you, uh, if you're a fan of, of the Christ Man. So, we have had an interesting two weeks while we were off the air. And uh, as you can tell, I've been battling some throat ailments. <laughs> and, you know, I've been talking to these two guys Matt Moniz, our science advisor, is with us, Matt Costa is behind the controls. Yep. We. Have been hanging out constantly for the last two weeks. We went to the Capers Open Meeting last Friday night. Uh, last night we were at Keith Johnson's ghost hunting class as part of South Coast Learning. You guys have been pretty much, you know, on my tail for two weeks, and neither one of you caught what I had. What's up with that?
1: We're not crazy enough to get close enough to you. That's true. I have Wolverine healing ability, so.
2: Oh, we should do a show on that. What we can do is we can put you out in the parking lot and do all kinds of stuff to you and see how long it takes you to heal.
3: And I don't know if you noticed, but I was sleeping at the end of your bed.
2: (laughs) Were you? Yes. Why? Just because you just couldn't be without me? Felt like hanging out. That's cool. It's a little bit weird, but it's cool. Just I don't know how my wife feels about that a little spooky. It is spooky. And speaking of spooky, we're going to have a a very spooky show for you tonight once we talk to Heidi Hollis because she's had some very interesting tales to tell about shadow people and about the alien phenomena. Also, uh, we will talk a little bit about the Martin Luther King assassination. Uh, On April 4th, we celebrated the 38th anniversary of that event. So we will talk a little bit about some of the conspiracy theories behind the King assassination. Many believe that even if it was James Earl Ray that pulled the trigger, there's no way he could have acted alone. Also, we will talk to, hopefully, if they're hearing us and they're out in the field, uh Steve and Ryan from New England Paranormal Association. They are out in Rehoboth investigating the Palma River burial grounds. They also have a new member that they're breaking in out there tonight. So we'd like them to give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500, because we'd like to find out what's going on out in the field with them. And also we have to, uh, we have to let Steve call and say he was right about ghost hunters because they did in fact investigate the Worcester Palladium. So he was right about that. Jason Haas, Grant Wilson, Steve Gonzales, and Brian Harnois the ones that investigated it. And I checked with Kristen Gartland earlier this week, and I said, did you really not know that they went to the Palladium? And she said there was no way that she knew that in advance. So She did not lie to us, Steve. She uh, just was not a privy to that information. So... See what else can we talk about here? Well, we went to that capers meeting last Friday night. That was an excellent presentation by Cheryl Sabin of the Cape and Islands Paranormal Research Society, talking about indigo children, the new generation of light workers. These are the next generation of human development. They're going to lead us into a new world. Uh, a lot of these children that are being born today, you find that they have these special powers almost. Uh, they have, uh, they're highly affectionate and they start talking late in childhood, but they're very expressive. Uh, they, they seem to prefer, you know, more natural things. They don't really eat a lot of sugary foods. They drink juices and they eat a lot of vegetarian foods. They're fearless explorers. They have, as Matt has, an incredible healing ability. You know, these are just some of the signs that you might have what is known as a, a crystal child or an indigo child. There's two different categories. And of course, we can do a show about that in the future as well. Uh, We'll get Cheryl to join us, very knowledgeable on the subject, and uh, she has some psychic abilities, so maybe she hears that we're talking about her, or maybe she's uh, listening to the show. She can call us up. And of course, last night, guys, we went to Keith Johnson's class as part of South Coast Learning. What did you guys think of Keith's ghost hunting course?
1: Excellent. Absolutely excellent. Yeah, it was really informative. I learned a lot.
2: Now, when we went into it, I mean, we've been talking with Keith a couple of times here on the show and through email, and we've talked to, you know, some of the major players in the paranormal investigation realm, Capers, we've talked to Kristen from TAPS, we've talked to John Zaffis, we've talked to all these people that have been out there looking for ghosts, and there was still plenty for us to learn. As much as we've accumulated, I mean, obviously Matt Moniz has plenty of experience in the field, but for Matt Costa and I... You know, we've been learning from what we've researched and who we've talked to on the show. But that course is, even, no matter what level of investigation experience you have, it's worthwhile to take the course.
1: Well, I've been like doing this for a number of years, and even I learned some stuff from that class. I mean, just because you've been in it a while doesn't mean you cannot learn from somebody else.
2: Well, exactly, because it's not like it's a, a field where everything is spelled out for you in a textbook.
1: This is also a field where not all information is readily shared with everybody either.
2: That's a very good point. And so where Keith has his class, uh, then that makes it accessible for people that are just starting out. But like Matt said, even the experienced investigator can learn a thing or two, and they put forth some terrific evidence at the end of the presentation.
1: That was absolutely beautiful. The EVPs were some of the clearest I've ever heard. Uh, The photographs that they showed... uh, were quite compelling. The one digital photograph absolutely had me flabbergasted and there is no way that you can hoax that in a like a double exposure on a digital camera.
2: They had what appeared to be, I mean with the naked eye, if you didn't know the history of the picture, they had what appeared to be a double exposure of a living room scene, you know, you're looking at the wall, but reflected in the picture, you see, as Matt pointed out, a wicker basket, uh, some Venetian blinds.
1: A floor mat, a, a f- set of eyeglasses. A braided rug,
2: yeah. a power cord, all the stuff that looked like it was a reflection of whatever was on the bottom of the, of the floor when the picture was being taken, but it was digital, and that kind of stuff just doesn't happen with digital.
1: Not only that, Keith said none of those objects that appeared in that photograph were in that room or even in that house. That's what I found intriguing. I could understand it being possibly a reflection from something else, catching a uh, reflection off of various angles, but if those objects aren't even in a room to be photographed, how, how does that appear?
2: And a little bit of background information on the house where the photo was taken. It was actually the first case that Keith Johnson and his twin brother Carl had ever investigated when they became paranormal investigators back in the 70s. And this was a house that, as they said, they were lucky or unlucky, how you look at it, to get a demonic entity on their first ever investigation. So this was years later, actually just a few months ago, they went back to that same house. This is where that photo was taken. So uh, we're going to take a quick break because we need to get Heidi Hollis on the phone. And uh, when we come back, we will talk to her about shadow people, about the alien phenomena, about how Jesus is no joke, all kinds of things. So stay tuned here on Spooky South Coast.
1: Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. It's a real thing, a radio signal from another
3: world.
0: That's what I call a close encounter. I can't. Not as long as the truth is out there.
2: And we are back here on Spooky South Coast again, everybody. I apologize for my voice. But I tried so hard to get everything back to functioning so we could be here tonight because we're very excited about our special guest tonight, Heidi Hollis. But I just spoke to her on the phone. She is going to have to postpone the interview about ten minutes or so because she's stuck in traffic. You know, sometimes non-paranormal things can hold up the show as well. So we're going to talk to you a little bit about the Martin Luther King assassination and the conspiracy to assassinate Martin Luther King. Now, we were going to have on Dr. Philip Melanson from UMass Dartmouth. We've been trying to get him. He is the foremost expert in this area on political assassinations. He's the foremost expert in the world on the Robert Kennedy assassination, and he's also written two books about Martin Luther King uh, called The Merkin Conspiracy and The Martin Luther King Assassination. Both excellent books, highly recommended. If you go to our website, SpookySouthCoast.com, we have links to the Amazon page where you can purchase those books. We also have links to something very interesting. A few days ago, on the 38th anniversary of the assassination, that was April 4th, the Shelby County Register of Deeds posted on its website a chilling collection of historical documents and sound recordings that provide vivid insight into the hard events surrounding Martin Luther King's murder. The online exhibit consists of crime scene photos, evidence photos, FBI mug shots, and audio files, police reports and other court records and you can view all this material by going to their website http colon backslash backslash register dot shelby slash mlk and if you go to our website you can find a link to that spookysouthcoast.com you will find a link to that so you can check out all this evidence for yourself as we talk about it but if you go to the Info Please website, which is also on our site, you can find the article posted by Borg Nebrunner about some of these assassination theories. Um, Matt Moniz, why don't you walk us through some of the history of the case? Because uh, I'm just, I got nothing left. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not a problem. I'll, uh, I'll be the best I can. Uh, in 1968, when uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated, uh, it was a very critical uh, time for civil rights. Of course, the height of the Vietnam was go- Vietnam War was going on. Civil rights were a big forefront in uh, political uh, agendas. Uh, some states were still trying to basically squash it. Other uh, states still trying to push it, and uh, the government stepped in and tried to basically make it a unilateral. Requirement across the boards because state-to-state uh, state back then had the ability to limit or control how people were able to vote and, and rights and stuff like that. What they were trying to do was trying to make a unilateral thing so that everybody would be required, all the states would be required. Uh, that aggravated certain uh, racist groups That being one of the theories, Mm -hmm. uh, we'll start with, uh, first off, uh, James Earl Ray. Now, James Earl Ray was a known racist member of certain racist organizations, as well as his brother being documented as part of this uh, nefarious group, if you want to call it that. Um, And supposedly, a $50,000 bounty was paid to James Earl Ray's brother, After the assassination from this group, Uh, it's it's supposed that uh, Ray's brother put Ray up to it whether wittingly or unwittingly, is still what is in debate.
2: Well, the general theory is somebody had to have put James Earl Ray up to it because this is a man who was such a stupid criminal. He tried to rob a supermarket one left time. Left his wallet. Yeah, and he left his wallet behind. I mean, this guy was not uh, a very good criminal for being a career criminal.
1: Uh, got pulled over, car chased, and wound up driving down a dead-end road and arrested. A uh, number. He was a... Idiot, but if
2: there was a conspiracy to kill King, he was the perfect patsy because they tried to leave all kinds of evidence behind to say that it was Ray that did it. The problem is, the evidence doesn't always sync up with Ray. Right. Which uh, and if you go to these to this website, uh, which is linked up on our site, spookysouthcoast.com, you can see some of this evidence that we're talking about. But there there are different theories as to who exactly put Ray up to it or involved Ray in this conspiracy. Um, it
1: was Raul.
2: Raul is the main conspiracy theory that there was a Latin gentleman, a gentleman of Latin descent, who was basically feeding Ray information, who was pulling the puppet strings for him. And uh, let's see here. We have some information here about Raul. Uh, if I can just find it. They'll
1: be it, under the government. In
2: 1998, Donald Wilson, a retired FBI employee, said he found pieces of paper in Ray's car after the 1968 shooting that had the name Raul written on them. Wilson took this evidence home and he stored it in his refrigerator for most of the next 30 years. It's an odd place to put it. old
1: F- storage. <laughs> exactly.
2: The FBI claims Wilson was not part of the search and that his evidence is a, quote, total fabrication. So some people do believe that the government was behind the King conspiracy as well. If you have any thoughts or theories on the King conspiracy, please give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. Maybe you took Dr. Melanson's course. Also, if you go to our website, SpookySouthCoast.com, go to our message board tab at the top of the page, go to the live chat room, Uh, And you can chat about the show live as it's going on. We actually have the studio computer on that page. We are able to interact with you. If you have a question or a thought, you're not that sure that you want to call in with it, you can send it to us via that chat room and we can talk about it on the air as well. So, but uh, getting back to some of these, um, some of these theories now, the reason why a lot of people are starting to believe there was certainly a conspiracy is because in 1997, Dr. King's son Dexter met with James O'Reilly in prison. And they had a a, a nice exchange where uh, Dexter professed his belief in Ray's innocence. And then uh, Janet Reno reopened a limited investigation in 1998. And in December of 1999, a Memphis jury awarded the King family a symbolic $100 in a wrongful death suit. The jury professed that the murder was indeed a conspiracy involving bar owner Lloyd Jowers and several unknown co-conspirators, which they determined had a government connection to them. So some of these theories uh, that are out there uh, certainly run the gambit from, you know, as to who's involved, whether it be racist groups. Uh, there, there was even a theory put out at one point that it was people within King's own organization.
1: Well, there's one more theory that I heard from a gentleman uh, that was part of the civil rights movement. Is, uh, this gentleman is uh, an elderly African-American that I've known for years. And one of the things he was talking about, he says, because I was there, well, not physically there when King was shot, but mm-hmm. he was around and in all involved in all of that. One of the main uh rumors that was going around the African American community at that time, uh, was that he was somehow put down by uh the Brothers of Islam or what mm-hmm. What later was Malcolm X, and um, which is we now was, Louis Farrakhan's movement. Right.
2: And also, uh, now a lot of people say that uh, Jesse Jackson is somehow involved in this. What people are misinterpreting is Jesse Jackson was actually on the balcony with Dr. King when he was shot. Right. So I've heard one theory I heard, uh, I think it was on a radio show at one point, where it was Jesse Jackson wanted to have King put down so he could take over the movement and become the you know, forefront of the civil rights movement, that's a pretty big risk to take when you're standing right next to the guy. So I think uh, Jesse Jackson has to be absolved
1: of the more True. I would find more credence to the Nation of Islam connection exactly. because back then it, would, they were trying to, it was a power struggle to gain control of the African-American communities.
2: Well, let's go through some of the uh, inconsistencies with some of this evidence. Now, James Earl Ray was uh, in the Army and he was judged to be a rather poor shot by his superiors. And now this is a guy who shot Dr. King. Dr. King was on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel, and across the way is the boarding house where...
1: 400 yards.
2: 400 yards, and at a strange angle to have to shoot King out the bathroom window where they say that um, James Roy was when he shot him. Also, uh, at his evidentiary hearing... A ballistics and rifle expert testified that not even the most skilled gunman could have accurately fired a rifle in the manner claimed by the government. The bullet recovered from King's body could not be matched to the alleged murder weapon, which Dr. Melanson was pushing back in 1997 when I took the class, pushing for new ballistics tests on that rifle. I'm not sure if they ever got them done. I think they did.
1: It would be interesting to see the results.
2: The only eyewitness who saw Ray leaving the boarding house bathroom from which the shot was allegedly fired was thoroughly drunk at the time. He was a known alcoholic named Charles Stevens. And uh, also his wife, um, let's see, Grace Walden, said that she, didn't, she saw the person leaving the bathroom and he was not James Earl Ray. Uh, also, let's see here. Shortly before the shooting, the police security detail for Dr. King was reduced from eight men to just two men and there was only one black officer that was stationed there. He was sent home uh, against his will. So at the time Dr. King was gunned down, his police protection had been reduced from eight men to one lone policeman. Uh, also, this is the most interesting evidence that I've heard from Dr. Melanson's book, The American Conspiracy. James Earl Ray was known to use a lot of aliases in his criminal activity. As it turns out, through Dr. Malanson's research, Many of these aliases, actually all of these aliases that he used before the assassination and afterwards when he was on the run are all the names of real-life people that were all living in close proximity to one another in Toronto, Canada. And the interesting thing is one of the names that he used was Eric Starvo Galt. Now, the person who uh, lives in Canada's name was Eric, I believe it's St. Vincent Galt. But the way that he looked... The way that he signed his name, it looked like it said Eric Starvo Galt. And James Earl Ray signed his name very similar when he used the alias. So he was somehow shown that signature and misinterpreted what it was. So he used Eric Starvo Galt, Eric S. Galt, and... Also, photos of Galt that were revealed later on show that he had a scar over his eye, identical to the scar that James Earl Ray had over his eye. So there seemed to be some sort of force, Raul, if you want to call it that, mm. that was leading this and setting something up to make James Earl Ray the patsy. Well,
1: the report was that Raul did take him up to Toronto. That's where he was supposed to be uh, a farrier of uh, phony documents and uh, a legal alien type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also had something, I think, to do with um, other types of smuggling, too.
2: Well, if you'd like to find out more about the King case, certainly go to our website, SpookySouthCoast.com, where you can find links to all this information and where we got it all from. Of course, I took Dr. Melanson's class, so, I mean, it was it was one of the most fascinating classes I've ever taken in my life. So I highly recommend his books, which you can order through our website. And, of course, if you, uh, if you make a trip to the UMass Dartmouth bookstore, they also have many of his books for sale there as well. And if you're lucky enough, you can get uh, each semester they put out some autographed copies for sale. So if you get there early enough, you can pick up some autographed copies. Cool. Yeah. So somewhere i got mine at home. I'll, I'll have to bring it in. So that is uh, our little bit of information for you on the Martin Luther King assassination and conspiracy. What we're going to do now is, if uh, we have anything to run, Matt, can we take a quick break? I don't think we have anything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to get Heidi Hollis on the phone for you. Matt can do that while we discuss some other items. One thing that I want to tell everybody about is the Black Vault Internet... Archive is uh, a new project being put on by the Black Vault uh, organization. What they're trying to do is, uh, if you've ever seen the Wikipedia site, where they have uh, basically everything you need to know about everything. Uh, so people post up you know, little encyclopedia articles, and they're starting one about the paranormal. And so uh, they are looking for people to submit information, uh, experts, or, or, or as Keith told us, there are no experts in this field, but people who are knowledgeable about a subject, we want you to um, go on to their website, www.blackvault.com encyclopedia. We also have a link to it on SpookySouthCoast.com. And we want you to uh, put in some of your information, your experiences, your definitions of different paranormal entities. Um, some of the things that they have up there already are poltergeists, obviously, hauntings, uh, demonic possession. But they uh, get very specific, and there's still lots of uh, subjects that they need information on. So once again, that's www.blackvault.com slash encyclopedia. They have about 200 articles up already. And uh, the thing is, they want you to join as a member of the Black Vault in order to post and in order to get this information. However, it is free to join, and there are benefits to using their site. So uh, just join that site. Call their uh, project administrator. Get a hold of them through their website, and they will uh, be interested in finding out what you can post. Matt Moniz, I'm sure you can post some information up there for them as well. A little bit. <laughs> All right. So uh, right now, we are going to go to our special guest. Heidi Hollis is the founder and director of the UFO and Paranormal Discussion Group, ufo 2 She's been involved in looking into paranormal phenomena from a very young age, over 17 years now. And she's an advocate of bringing... All out-of-the-norm topics to a comfortable level where they can be spoken of frankly and openly and even with a hint of humor. We'll talk to Heidi about a new Discovery Channel program she's going to be part of called X-Ops. But uh, you might have also seen her previously on programs such as Coast to Coast AM, UFO Desk, Night Search, Tim Shaw's Asylum, Jeff rens 's Sightings, uh, the sci-fi channel series Taken. TBS, Fox, Wake Up News, Discovery Channel's Mystery Hunters. She's the author of the best-selling book, The Secret War, The Heaven Speak of the Battle. We'll talk to her about that. Her new book is also Jesus is No Joke, and we'll talk to her about that as well. And uh, she possesses a Bachelor of Science degree. She's a certified occupational therapist, registered and licensed. And she's an accomplished comic strip and 3D artist. Heidi Hollis, we welcome you to Spooky South Coast. How are you? Oh,
4: thanks a lot. good to be on your show.
2: (laughs) It's good to have a show. After uh, being off the air last week with the NCAA tournament, and we're very happy that you could join us on such short notice.
4: Oh, it's no problem. It's very cool to be on this show. I, I hear you guys are pretty cool.
2: <laughs> well, we, we like to think we are. So, <laughs> whether or not people agree with that, you know, it's nice that uh, it's nice that some people do. Now, yeah. you've been you've been described as the Doctor Phil of the paranormal. Yes, uh,
4: people have referred to me as that because I, I cover. A lot of odd topics with my alienadvice.com uh, website and column. Um, anything from aliens to angels, holy encounters, everything. I, I, I try to give people on the, the level and just friendly advice about anything a little bit out of the ordinary.
2: Now, what prompted you to begin this organization, UFO, TU, and to offer these websites and this information?
4: You know, because I personally had a lot of odd things that happened in my lifetime, and I know that I appreciated it when I had the opportunity to vent my experiences on other people. So I figured, what the heck, you know, I'll offer up a a place where other people could come and vent. And uh, not not where people were, like, totally required to have had an experience happen to themselves either, but uh, a place that if people were even curious or you know, had conspiracy theories of their own to think of and uh, discuss. I mean, I just, like, wanted a a place where people could totally, you know, feel free to ask questions, give ideas, share their stories, you know, and just make it comfortable and fun, even.
2: And so, um, now, what, what, what do people, when they contact you, what are they looking for? Are they looking for somebody to validate things that they've experienced, or are they looking for... Just you know some first hand knowledge on this, or I mean, do you see yourself more as a counselor or as more as a teacher?
4: You know I honestly, I learn a lot from what people send me, so i can 't say that I have any outright authority over anything i mean it 's the unknown it 's the paranormal there are no definite definitions out there you know it's uh, it's a learning and growing experience for myself and everyone else, and when people generally write me, oftentimes it is to validate. You know, my God, did this really happen? Or what do you think was the meaning behind what took place here? And you know, I just try to offer up and like, hey, you know, I hope this information helped. You know, I'm not saying I'm a guru and a know-it-all. I just try to lay it on the line to say, hey, you know, this is a, a possible reason for what what took place here. So, um, and, and I get so many, so many different types of phenomena sent in to me from people all over the world, and. It's really nice, a nice feeling to feel like I'm making a difference, you know, at least to offer up some amount of advice. And even if I don't get it put up on my website, uh, the, the letters that get sent in to me, I do try to respond personally to people's questions.
2: Well, I definitely think that your style of presentation has a lot to do with it. I mean, it's a very, you know, they're very relaxed websites. Uh, it's a very relaxed tone. And it's, you know, it's non judgmental. Yeah, and I think that that's a big key into why people think that they can share this stuff with you.
4: Yeah, you know, I I'd like to say that I'm not anal retentive. You know, there's a lot of people that like you know they're you know they're the scientific sorts. They they are into the lecture mode. They always like to have a certain monotone in the way that they go about doing things. And you know, there's a purpose for that. That we need people like that out there. But then there's those you know people that just really need another people person, you know, just to totally relate what the heck is going on, you know, and just to talk about this like you would any other topic, because when you start using strange tones or trying to take, you know, things way too seriously with any topic, it turns a lot of people off. So I like to treat the paranormal as normally as possible and try to, you know, just chew the fat on it and keep it real, you know?
1: Yeah. What is the most common asked question that you get?
4: You know, because I, I did write the first book on shadow people, so I do tend to get a ton of people writing and asking about, you know, are shadow people really ghosts or not? So I think that's probably the most popular question that I do get. Um, but anybody who has actually experienced them, they're pretty sure that it's nothing having to do with a, a ghost. That they're, they're outright certain it's something a lot darker and more sinister than a, a passive ghost.
2: Well, when we, uh, when we put up on our website that we were going to have you on, a lot of people were very interested in talking to you about shadow people. You were kind of on the forefront of this in your first book. Before anybody was really talking about it, you were trying to to get the word out about what they are. So, for people that haven't heard, what exactly are these shadow people? You
4: know, shadow people are something that I happen to come across by mistake. Uh, well, just by accident, I guess you could say. I, I, I should probably uh, describe and. Uh, what happened to me that I first saw these guys. Um, I was living down in Iowa, uh, living with a with a friend down there, and she and I in broad daylight were walking from her house to her uncle's house, and I saw something out of the corner of my eye, and I'm like, you know, like a shadowy mass, and I'm like, uh, what the heck, you know, keep on walking. And then I, I saw this thing jump from a bush to a tree and then tree to tree and just totally follow us. And we reached her uncle's house and I'm like, I just don't believe what the heck I just saw there. And when we left his house and went back to her home, this thing also followed us all the way back. And I'm like, okay, that's it. You know, I have got to, uh, see what the, what the heck this is about. And I said to my friend, I'm like, you know, I don't know what it is I saw, but I, I drew what I call the head and shoulder shadow person, um uh, where the, the head looked directly like it's connected to the shoulders um i don't know how big this thing was 10 feet tall 9 10 feet tall or whatever and i drew it out and i'm thinking my friends going to totally laugh at me and go yo you're whacked or something and she looks at it and she goes oh that thing you know she's like, i don't know what the heck it is it's been following me my whole life and i'm like oh my god you know and uh to make a long story short, this thing confronted me. I had to walk through it. It was awful. Um, really terrible experience.
2: You actually had and to walk through it? Like physically to, through it?
4: I had to walk through it. Uh, later on that same day, I was staying at, at that friend's house in the upper, uh, like, attic like like level of the house. And my room was up there. It was still daylight. I went to go get something out of my room. And I turned around with the thing that I wanted to get, and this thing was blocking the doorway, like my way to get out of the room. And, I mean, you want to talk about your knees wanting to just fold underneath you. I was like, oh, my God. And I just knew, like something instinctively told me, if I try to swing at this thing, it's going to get me. If I try to run, it's going to get me. And I'm like, just stand your ground, Heidi, and just walk right through this thing. And I mean... This thing had the feeling of just wanting to jump out at me and rip my throat out or something. It was just a god-awful feeling. And I walked slowly and steadily to the stairs, and when I got to the stairs, my legs just melted underneath me, and I just kind of stomped at the bottom of the steps. But, <laughs> yeah, but this thing wasn't happy that I spotted it and spoke about it. So that was my first run-in with the shadow people.
2: And, and uh, what's that? I was going to say, this, that seems to be... Uh You know, it seems to be a a recurring theme is once you first spot them, you kind of spot them all the time.
4: Um, It does seem to be a a pattern at times that, uh, well, you know, I saw that one thing. It was attached to my friend. It wasn't attached to me. It was just irritated that I saw it, I think. And it wasn't until several years later that um, I had some actual close encounters with what do you would call, like the gray alien beings and other odd things going on in my apartment. And I'm not saying I've been abducted. I have not been abducted. (laughs) I just happened to wake up and see aliens in my apartment a few times. Um,
2: (laughs) You might have stopped the abduction before it happened, maybe.
4: No, you know what? Not everybody is susceptible to being abducted. Um, These things... Oh, gosh, how can I say I I have to tell you this story because this one, uh, I guess people say they've never heard anybody do this to an alien, but um, (laughs) I lived alone. I woke up in my apartment because I was, was at night, I'm sleeping, and I heard noise in my apartment. I'm like, what the heck, somebody broke in my apartment? And I popped up and went to go see who was in my apartment, and here's two gray alien beings going through my bookshelf. And, you know, me being instinctual, like, know what the heck i don't care who you are and if you're an alien i'm gonna you know put my stuff down And i grab my stuff out of their hands and i put it down on the bookshelf i'm like give me that put that down who are you what are you doing here and uh there were two more in my closet i heard them rummaging through my walk-in closet i walked over there and i'm like what is going on i go in my kitchen because i hear more noise over there and there's two more in my kitchen and uh I heard noise in my bathroom, and I went walking in there, and there's two more in my bathroom. I flung open the bathroom door, and there was one right behind the door. And when I flung the door open, it, I knocked it to the ground, one of the grays to the ground. And this other one was standing there reaching for something on the back of my toilet. And I picked this thing up and shook it, kind of choking it. <laughs> and I'm like, who are you? What are you doing in my apartment? And what do you want? And uh, the one that I had accidentally kind of thrown to the floor um, when I opened up the door had its little hands up in the air like it was afraid I was going to stop on it or something. And and it said, I'm your nephew, I'm your nephew. And I watched this thing right before my eyes, shape-shifted to my nephew with a baby blue uh, suit on and Afro and everything. And I'm like, you don't look like my nephew. You look like him when he was 10 years old. He's 20 years old now. And this thing had actually duplicated a photo that I had in my apartment, uh, that they were rummaging through.
2: Wow.
4: So, yeah. And, uh, I felt bad, uh, the one that I had in my hands, it was shaking so violently that, uh, I put it down. <laughs> and I said, I'm sorry. I felt like I had just scared a kid. Uh, because this one in my hands was actually not a typical gray, but I think a lot of people have heard of the half-human, half-alien hybrid types, and that's exactly what this thing was that was in my hands, and it looked like a kid, but with a big, bulbous head and giant blue eyes, and um, I felt like I just terrified this poor thing, and I actually offered it a cookie.
2: (laughs) Now, when it spoke to you, did it speak to you physically or or telepathically?
4: It was telepathically, the one that that was on the ground, but but just to tie in what's going on as far as the shadow people, like, I, I had that incident, and then I had Uh, A couple other things that, you know, happened along the way and I was able to get rid of these guys. I I would just pop up, wake up, because I would sense some things in my apartment. And um, if I wasn't able to get rid of it, like, these spheres of light would attack these beings in my apartment. And, I mean, after a certain amount of time, I had a roommate and she witnessed the same things. you know. So I'm like, okay, cool, I'm not crazy, you know. (laughs) She saw that, too. And, um... Then the shadow people started showing up. I mean, I'm like, oh, my God, is those things that I, one of those things I saw down in Iowa. And I could tell that they weren't as passive. They weren't, uh, they they were very nosy, but they had a, 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 such a dark feeling coming off of them. And it took some time for me to, to find out through other things, odd things that happened uh, a little bit later, that, these beings, these shadow people, came in after these greys and other aliens did because they couldn't handle me waking up and choking them or whatever. So they sent their boss in to come and deal with me, which were the shadow people.
2: So you definitely think that you are related?
4: Oh, gosh, yes, yes. Um, I've now had many people write to me who have seen simultaneously uh, grey alien beings right alongside shadow people.
2: And so what kind of uh, organization do they seem to have?
4: From uh, contact that I had along with a friend of mine, um, positive alien contact that we suddenly spontaneously started having and experiencing together, we learned through that contact that the greys, the reptilians, some of the praying mantis, that they were actually conquered races of alien beings by the shadows that they were like a dark the shadow people were like a dark force in the universe that went and kind of absorbed other alien societies or whatever but not 100 percent i mean not absolutely 100 percent of the reptilians of the gray's race are uh... uh totally taken over by these uh... the shadow people but um... It's like people can never understand, you know, the greys and the reptilians and these these certain agendas, they all seem to have a similar path going on, you know, even though they they don't seem to be working right alongside each other. People can never put two and two together. But when you think that they're all answering to the same boss, it kind of, you know, clicks in your head like, oh, you know, I see, you know, what's going on here with these guys? so uh it's like their strings are being pulled by a by another race of beings, which are the shadows and you know i i'm not a person I'm not a religious person i'm not a person that tries to push any kind of religious things or but you know I call it as I see it, and when you think of like shadow people, they take on different forms they could look like giant spiders, which I really can't stand um, they take on the form of a cat uh, people kind of. Uh, people-shaped, I should say, not outright people. And uh, it's like the shape-shifting dark force that you hear of, written of in the Bible that the devil can take on all sorts of forms, you know? And these things feel outright demonic and oftentimes have red eyes uh, beaming out from their shadowy mass.
2: Well, if anybody out there has had an experience with these shadow people or you know, you have any questions or experiences you'd like to share with Heidi Hollis, you can give us a call, 508 996 500 But what is the purpose of these shadow people and these aliens visiting Earth? Do we know what it is that they want with our race?
4: Well, the number one thing that gets uh, reported as far as the greys are concerned, and uh, reptilians also, uh, their big focus on the humans that they abduct and take are their reproductive organs and uh reproducing these half human, half alien hybrid children. And uh when you think about it, it's like, okay, these aliens bodies were not made to withstand living upon the earth as humans can. So what do you do? You try to cross breed with the, whatever it is that lives upon the earth that, that you're visiting and uh but you want to be able to control it. So you make it half you and half the inhabitants of the planet that that you're visiting. So they're ultimately creating an army of beings. Uh, I've met several people that have supposedly, uh, or report, having given birth to hybrid-like children, alien children, and uh, being visited by gray alien beings, and then handing off children that are half human, half alien asking if they pass or not, if they look human enough to live upon the earth among people. And they, like, pass these babies along and go, yes, no,
2: yes, no. <laughs> well, then how does, a, how does an earthbound parent explain the disappearance of one that isn't fit to live on earth? Say that again? If the, if the judgment is that the, the child isn't fit to live on earth, how do you explain its disappearance then? If it's not on earth anymore?
4: its disappearance oh well the thing is the, the women that that get abducted by these these alien beings um, they're impregnated with the the fetus or whatever that's that's half human half alien and the baby is removed at about 3 months gesta- gestation gestation um, no. time and uh, the women like they have sometimes they have recollections of what took place sometimes they don't of uh, the aliens coming, taking them, and taking the the fetus from them, and they go to their doctor. The doctor said, "Yes, you are pregnant, or whatever." But then the the baby is gone. the The fetus is gone. The placenta and everything is intact, but the the baby is gone. And they're told that their body absorbed the child. That this this is what <laughs> our medical <laughs> technology of today saying you're you you're, you ate your baby. <laughs>
2: I mean, it's it's not an unheard of phenomenon. I mean, it's it's quite, uh, I don't want to say it's frequent, but, I mean, Mm -hmm. this is something that's been documented in in medical journals. So,
4: Yes, it's been documented, and it's it's one of those things that's like, I I would imagine that they would have a better explanation than that. I mean, from one month to the next, they see the baby, the next one it's like not a trace and everything's there. Why didn't we absorb everything else, like the placenta and all? Why just the fetus?
2: Our uh, science advisor, Matt Moniz, just brought up a good point that these type of stories have been around for a very long time. How long have these shadow entities and these aliens been visiting the human race? I mean, How far can we pinpoint it back to?
4: You know, I would say since the beginning of time. I mean, how, how long has uh, the stories been going around about invading negative forces, you know, in society? I mean, that's, that's how far back I believe these,
1: these things have been uh, having influences on all of us. Well, you, you just have to look at the history of some countries. Look at India, for example. You have the Marabhata and the Vermana, which go and date back thousands and thousands of years. You have the cultural, uh, creational myth of the Aborigines, uh, being Uluru, which is also known to us as Ayers Rock and uh, descended from... Uh, a set of twin brothers and a uh, third sister which started all the creation of man from there i can also bring up the dogons it, i mean the history goes back a long long time uh,
2: right that's oh, very old in case you haven't realized he's
1: <laughs> i used to babysit god when he was a kid <laughs> <laughs> yeah it,
4: i i think that this kind of uh Thought has been around for a long time that there is some kind of invading negative force going on. So it's, it's, I mean, incubus, succubus, you know, reports of, you know, people being uh, manipulated and raped by, you know, other non-human entities. That's been going on for a long time too, being reported. So, I mean, it's, it's not such a, a foreign thing, but, you know, as man got bigger-headed about the things that he was able to create on his own he just kind of poo-pooed all these rumors of other worldly things you know i don't understand it personally but uh
1: no actually it started roughly in 1100 a.d. with the start of the uh... dark ages and uh... the forced uh... basically imposition of monotheism well (laughs) historical fact
4: yeah well it's I think there's a lot of different elements why uh, things got influenced the way that they do. And it, I, I think it's really sad because we're missing out on a lot of much-needed wisdom, you know, that uh, our forefathers... Got burned. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, it's something that... Uh, we're, we're, it's an essential part of society. And, you know, a lot of people are suffering because of the lack of knowledge of what is going on. They suffer alone. And that... Is what really disturbs me the most i think with the kind of work that i do with my column it, it's just the pain that i i hear in these people's stories and uh and not even with the column i mean i've gone and spoken to thousands of people and they have no other outlet they, the person closest to them they can't turn to them and say you know my god this happened to me i mean they have to sit there and they they begin to isolate themselves and and people around them really don't get to know them because uh they can't share something so essential and i i just i think
2: it's a a crime one thing that strikes me as strange is that you know earthlings can accept the concept of a god or you know god and his angels controlling the lives of mankind but they dismiss the possibility that there is an entity from another planet another universe doing the same thing right i mean in a sense God, in the human vision of what God is, is no different than a being from another planet.
4: Right. Yeah, we used to think that God was in the clouds, we reached the clouds, and now where are we saying God is, you know? It's like, <laughs> take a deeper look, it's like in the middle of outer space, or, you know, where where is heaven at, you know, where are we going from here, what's going on?
1: All of the holy books that I've read, and I've read pretty much all of them, God always says he's in all of us. He never said he was in the sky.
2: But I mean, mankind put forth that notion. Right. And it's, it's, how do we know that the origins of what we see as religion wasn't, as we've talked about before, humans interacting with these beings from another planet?
1: No, what do you mean by that? Are you talking historically throughout
2: Historically, I'm talking, not religion, belief-wise. Well, all, all
1: religions are, are origins based from uh, early paganism and shamanism. Mm-hmm. That's why we all share the same holidays. Uh, that has to do with association of the stars and uh, planetary events to coordinate timing because we're basically agrarian societies. They use nature to correlate time. Beliefs came up through observations of nature, so... They observed at such and such a day that the sun comes up here. This is, hey, this is the best time to plant our wheat because this, you know, gives us the best yield there. As time grew on and civilizations clustered together and a need for uh, a more organized, uh, unified group, uh, you started having leaders. Because before, back then, it was just clans of people in areas and various little glens. As these communities grew, you needed a means to control them. Uh, So everybody that was uh, back then just worshiping nature in themselves, somebody came across the idea, okay, let's organize this as one person or one thing doing it. Once you have that, you have access only through one person. You gain control, in in, in a sense.
2: And that's kind of like what what these shadow people have is they have that control uh, over us. Right. Uh, now what is do they seem to how do they seem to choose the people that they focus on
4: you know i I think that everybody is susceptible to having some kind of influence. I mean we all have our good and bad going on with us, and it, I think it's very much like the the idea of uh an angel sitting on one shelter and the devil sitting on the other or something the influences kind of tug at us all the time and it's like I used to think that you know that's such a You know, so crazy to give into the idea that something could pull me in one direction over another. You know, but there's just something sinister about these things when you're faced with them. I mean, you know, we're humans. Our skin doesn't usually pick up vibes in the air. But when you're standing next to one of these things or you get a glimpse of one of them, you feel exactly what this thing is all about and it's just no question in your your mind that that was evil. I don't know how I know, but it just hit me that it's evil. It's not its appearance, it's not anything. It literally shoots out that vibe. And uh one thing too I think too, that's important to note as far as the shadow people are concerned that oftentimes they come And the number one thing they like to do to people is jump on their chest and choke them while they're sleeping at night. And people feel like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. This thing is killing me. But as soon as they begin to let go, like they let go of their fear as they're freaking out that this thing is, you know, doing this to them, it's like, oh, it's no fun for this thing anymore. Like it can't feed upon the person anymore. And it it leaves after they let go of their fear. And this is true also as far as uh, the alien beings when they're abducting people. You know, they, they say that when they get over their fear, they're able to, uh, it's like, I don't know, it's like there's there's a certain invocation of fear that they like to give and, and see how we react to it and pick up on it. It's almost
2: like why people who are willing to be abducted are never abducted. People who stand out there and say, take me now, never get picked up.
4: Oh, gosh, sometimes they do, though, and I, I, I wouldn't open up that door because that's like, you know, telling you older old to the devil when you think about
2: it. Well, speaking I mean. of speaking of the devil, we're coming up on a news break uh, right now, but on the other side of the news, <laughs> we would love to talk to you about the hat man, yeah. the fabled and legendary hat man and exactly what he means and who he is, and uh, we will get into all of that with our guest, Heidi Hollis. On the other side of the news break, Heidi, hopefully you can stick with us. Oh, yes. All right. Well, uh, this is Heidi Hollis. She runs ufotu.com. We'll talk to her about her websites and her books. We'll also have The Weak and Weird on the other side with some interesting stories for you about, actually, about Jesus. So before we talk about how Jesus is no joke, we'll talk about how Jesus might not be what everybody thinks he is. So stay tuned. We'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast.
1: Presents Spooky South Ghosts with your hosts Tim Weisberg, Matt Foster, and Evan Russo. Hi.
2: back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast here on WBSM. Tim Weisberg, Matt Moniz, and Matt Costa are here as well. And we're going to get back in a few moments with our guest, Heidi Hollis, who is going to talk to us some more about the shadow people and about the alien phenomena. But right now, we are going to present to you a little thing we like to call The Week in Weird. This is where we bring you some of the stories you may not have heard on the regular newswire during the last, well, two weeks now. So we will give you all the news and information that you need from the paranormal side. Matt Moniz, why don't you start us off this week?
1: All righty. First up, we have from uh, ScienceDaily.com. Florida State University scientists say that more than likely, Jesus walked on a patch of floating ice rather than on water, as described in the New Testament. Oceanography professor... uh, Doron Knopf said his research points to a rare combination of optimal water and atmospheric conditions for the development of a unique and localized freezing phenomena Knopf and his co-authors call spring ice. In what is, northern is- in what is now northern Israel, such ice could have formed in the cold, freshwater surface of the Sea of Galilee, known as Lake uh, Kinneret, in modern-day Israel. When chilly temperatures briefly plummeting during one of the two uh, protracted cold periods between uh, 2,500 and 1,500 years ago, a frozen patch floating on the surface of a small lake would have been difficult to distinguish from the unfrozen water surrounding it. As natural science scientists, we simply explain that unique freezing processes probably happened In a region only a handful of times during the last 12,000 years, North said. We leave it to others to question the question of whether or not our research explains the biblical account. The research appears in the April issue of the Journal of Paleoanomology,
2: paleolimnology That's a new one to me.
1: A new one to me, and I work in the science field.
2: But uh, very interesting uh, that they say this, because even if it really did happen, even if Jesus did just stand on a patch of ice, it's still kind of miraculous that ice was there at that time when he performed this miracle.
1: Well, the, uh, water freezing into ice is not a mystery.
2: Well, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, so we've been able to, to make it all happen at the same times. Matt, what do you have for us? All right.
3: A computer controlled by the power of thought has been demonstrated at a major trade fair in Germany. This device could provide a way for paralyzed patients to operate computers or amputees to operate uh, um, electronically controlled limbs. The BBIC, or Berlin Brain Computer Interface, dubbed the Mental Typewriter, was created by researchers from the Fraunhofer Institute in Berlin and the Medical School of Berlin. Humboldt University in Germany. The way it works is that a user wears a cap containing electrodes that measure electrical activity inside the brain. Known as an electroencephalogram, also known as an EEG, the user must then imagine moving the left or right arm in order to move the cursor around. This allows the possibility to type messages onto a computer screen by mentally controlling movement of the cursor. The next stage, developers say, is to develop a cap that doesn't have, have to be attached directly to the scalp. This should make the device easier to use and cause less skin and
2: irritation for the wearer. Now, the question I have is, as a writer, can I get one of these anyway, even if I'm not quadriplegic? Can I get one of these just so I can just sit in my chair and write my stories and, and do the things that I need to do? I don't see why not.
1: And uh, my question is, if it's hooked online, does it come with a pop-up blocker?
2: Well, I would hope so. <laughs> or a virus blocker at least and uh, hopefully if they do create that they can also make it so I can control a robot to bring me my beer now this story comes from indiadaily.com analysis of flight patterns of many air forces as documented in various public sources reveal an interesting pattern Somehow major air forces in the world avoid certain parts of their territories at certain times. Computer models show interesting correlations between UFO sightings and avoidance of flights by air forces in that region. So what that means, and this is now these are direct quotes from Indiadaily.com, these are not our own thoughts. What that really means is that governments know where UFOs will operate their flight activities and these days cooperating governments avoid flying into those regions. Interestingly, commercial aircrafts find specific routes controlled by the countries. So the big question then is how are UFOs contacting the governments? Some scientists and engineers believe the communications are taking place secretly at a very special short wavelength high frequency signal that occupy the electromagnet- electromagnetic spectrum above 190. Now, would that be terahertz? Yeah. No. In the infrared range, it is the optical wireless range that requires special devices and is normally out of reach of the public. Though in some countries, no licensing is required. The communications in many in many cases are electromagnetically shielded and encrypted. There are researchers all over the world who are receiving such signals and are working on reverse-engineering the shield, as well as the encryption. It will not be long before someone comes out with complete details of the secret communication mechanisms. It is not known if the shielding of communication is created by the extraterrestrials or by the countries involved in such communication. Very strange signals are being passed in that frequency range and are very difficult to detect. So, Matt, what do you think about that? Is that...
1: Well, what I think is may not necessarily be that the aliens are contacting the governments. It just means that the aliens are smart enough to go where the government ain't.
2: <laughs> and the government <laughs> is uh, lucky enough to not be in there in the same place. Matt, you have one more story for us about uh, a very interesting woman.
3: One more quick story. Uh full auditor from Florida. A 70-year-old woman survived a nine-story fall from a condominium tower when she landed on a canopy. Apparently, Gloria Giumani was cleaning, her, was cleaning her balcony at Coral Ridge Towers when she fell and landed on a first-floor canopy, according to Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale Fire Rescue. Jumani was alert and talking to rescuers, but sus- sustained a broken arm and minor, non-life-threatening
2: injuries. So she took an SC plunge at 70 years old. Hmm? And, no, it says she fell from the nine-story condominium tower. Doesn't say how she fell.
3: It doesn't, but.
2: I sus—I suspect. Drinking. I say
1: we start a conspiracy theory now. She was pushed.
2: Pushed by shadow people, maybe. Yeah, I think she was drinking. Mm. But anyway, we will talk about that with uh, Heidi Hollis, our expert on shadow people and the UFO phenomenon. We have her on the line right now, hopefully still. So, but uh, that is the week and weird. Remember, if you have any stories that you want to send in to us. You can send them to us via our message board. We have a chat room in there to talk about the Weekend Weird. We also have that live chat room where you can discuss the show going on with us right now as it happens. So please log on right now and get involved in that with us. Matt is anxiously awaiting somebody to, to contact him. And also you can email us, Tim at, SpookySouthCoast.com, Matt at spookysouthcoast.com for Matt Costa. And to reach our science advisor, Matt Moniz, science advisor at SpookySouthCoast.com. And, of course, to get in touch with us right now and to talk to Heidi Hollis, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. Heidi, are you still with us?
4: Of course I am. I'm here, ready and willing.
2: Okay. Luckily, you were not abducted or harassed by any shadow people while you were gone, were you? No, they can't touch me like that. <laughs> That's true. You, as you were talking beforehand, uh, you've developed some defense mechanisms against these shadow people. Why don't you go over that again for some people that were listening?
4: Well, you know, whenever something was close by, I was always able to wake up, because they always come when you're most vulnerable, when you're sleeping or something like that. But I have seen them in daylight and all that stuff, too. But most likely they come at you when you're laying down, and uh, something just instinctually just tells me, you know, get up, something's wrong. And I usually wake up to, you know, something staring at me or something running out of the room, but then other times there would be like spheres of light that would come in from my window and attack what was ever in my room or in my house even. And like I said, I had uh, roommates that have witnessed this and friends that would come over and uh, see things like this too. But um, it wasn't like, you know, Ooh, I just automatically knew what to do. It, there was some instinct to it, but I had positive uh, alien intervention that was going on uh, with myself and uh, one of my friends that was a roommate at at the time she and I started having positive alien contact that told us you know how better to protect ourselves against from, uh, shadow people and other negative type of beings uh, that might stop by and um, actually this is what I go around and I, I try to teach other people how to keep these things away and it works I mean uh, it's it's a little bit takes a little bit out of you to you know get your your guts up to to do some of these things to stand your ground but you know it's got to be done because these, these abductions are not pleasant that people are experiencing and the shadow people are not pleasant this is not something you want in your life and c- controlling your life it really limits you so
3: I, I do my best to try to help people help themselves
2: now you talk about positive alien intervention and I believe Matt Cost has a question for you about that
3: I was just wondering if I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right um there's Kath. yeah your, your friend Kath what's the story with him
4: um that's an alien being uh i guess to just talk in brief about uh what happened in regards to him um uh, my best friend at the time her name is amanda um she was my roommate she would always make fun of you know the alien phenomena with me i was interested in the topic i had seen some ufos and whatnot in the shadows and all that stuff and um for like oh gosh, for the longest time she made fun of it and then all of a sudden she's driving to school and in broad daylight through downtown Milwaukee when uh an alien being jumped on the hood of her car and stuck its head through her windshield and uh started talking to her. And she said the strangest thing was it had a real calming effect to it and I just automatically started asking it questions like, you know, Well, who are you? And I said, Well, I'm what you would call an alien being and I'm the precursor to who's to come, and uh, you know she she had witnessed things in, in the apartment that we shared. She had seen aliens and everything, but she chose to call them demons or whatever all the time. Um, later on that evening, uh, after this this thing had you know said I'm I'm introducing who's coming or whatever, um, I went to go talk to her about what what took place. And I'm thinking, you know, this girl is pulling my leg because my friend's always like to tease me and whatever. And she's like, uh, the strange thing about when this being, I uh, went to answer her when she asked questions. She said her mouth went numb and it used her own vocal cords to speak the answers to her. And I mean, this is somebody that's totally not into anything alien, made fun of it, whatever. And later on, we're talking about this topic, and she's like, I don't know, but I feel like I have to meditate right now. And I'm like, meditate? I'm like, what are you talking about, you know? And she is Hispanic. She had a real big accent, and she goes to relax in a meditative state. We're sitting in the car talking about this stuff, and uh, her posture changed and her accent reduced, and she goes, hello, I've been waiting to speak to you for a very long time. And I'm like what the heck what are you talking about you know like amanda quit playing around it's like oh this is not amanda and i'm like oh really who is it you know and uh this voice comes back and says well i'm what you would call an alien and i'm like oh if you're an alien where are you and i'm just like goofing and uh this thing says well i'm in a ship very high up and he spelled out his name c-a-f-t-h and i'm like calf and He goes, "Uh, I hate the way your human mouths form my name. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, if you're an alien, you know, show yourself, you know. I'm like trying to figure out, you know, what the heck. It it was just strange. And uh, like a a quiet hum kind of filled the car. And in between the seats where we're sitting, this form (laughs) takes place. And it wasn't really clear. And I'm like oh, uh, I think I see something. He's like, well, can you see me better now? And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, I think I see it, but it's not real clear. And he's like, well, it can't be helped. You have uh weak human eyes. And I'm like, "Jeez, you know, another jab at humans. But um, this was the beginning of, like, a contact that myself and Amanda started having. And, I mean, this was not something easy to, to take in. I mean, my friend pretty much, you know, freaked out, but she didn't feel like it was negative or anything like that, but she didn't know how to handle saying an alien, for crying out loud, was speaking through her. And, you know, I hate the word channeling, so does she. she. She was always the person that prayed in, medita- in a meditative state. So this, to her, was like a, a meditation and something just so happened to be there to speak to her. Um, this being... Uh, it, it's, it's strange, but I mean, this being actually explained that it was a form of technology that he was able to communicate the way that he was, and when you think about it, and when you hear about alien contact going on, people report not, these beings not speaking outright to them, but telepathically. Mm-hmm. And this thing, this being, Calf, could do the same thing, but he didn't have to be in the room to do this. And Amanda had the choice to mouth the words, or just receive the message in her head, or whatever. And it wasn't like I sat there and, like, you know, took every word like this is this is God-given, you know, knowledge or whatever. But um, you know, there were things that that backed up, you know, what was going on, and I physically saw him, and you know, just so many different things that that just coincided and, and served as proof and evidence for myself and her that this was a real contact going on, and this being spoke about the abductions, the shadow people, what was going on, um, why these beings were all visiting the Earth, and how they were at war with the more negative abducting beings, and the shadow people were at the, the head of what was going on. But there's a stronger force out there, a more positive alien force, that they're not like these negative beings that try to manipulate people from the outside in, pulling their strings and whatnot. The more positive beings believe if a species is to survive, just like here on Earth, you know, we're supposed to leave the habitat alone so they can thrive and do well. But so they work from the inside out. They allow themselves to reincarnate, be able to be born upon the Earth, or they give people dreams on how to fight off aliens, and um, they also report working with and for God to try to spread his message that, you know, positive things do repel the dark. And um, it's kind of interesting. You know, you, you want to think that aliens are just aliens flying around in UFOs and hardships and whatever, and uh, they have no matters to deal with the soul or or, or anything like that. But I tell you, I've received many, many, many letters, and I have on my website too, to repel these, these aliens, is to say, you know, it, put, put positive things, whatever your religious beliefs are, put positive things around your room, wear a cross to bed at night, um, say in Jesus name, leave me alone, and these aliens that supposedly are not anything demonic or, or anything like that, will leave. it's like the name Jesus is most especially just burns their ears. And, again, I'm not a real religious person or anything like that, but all I can say is it works. And uh, same with the shadows, same with the reptilians, the grays. All of them have that in common that they cannot stand positive energy. They can't stand Jesus. They can't stand God. They don't like light. Keeping light on or even imagining light surrounding yourself, that helps repel them, too, so...
2: Well, some people do think that you know these different degrees of aliens that you're talking about are representative of the angels and demons of mm-hmm. you know religious dogma. One question I have is: has, uh, has this alien told you where exactly he comes from, and and if we will be able to develop the technology to travel as they do? Um, it, this being,
4: uh, I asked him where he where he came from, and. He could be kind of a smart aleck and say, "You know, I would tell you the name of the planet, but you wouldn't know where the heck I was talking about, anyways." So it's like, "What does it matter? What's important is that you need to know this information so you could teach others and tell others that there's help out there and there's a way to get rid of these guys." Um,
2: and what was your other? What was the other half of your question? If what did you say? If he's alluded to whether or not we will ever have the capability to travel these great distances in space as they do.
4: Well, he did indicate to me that a lot of their ships uh, from the positive side have been shot down and man has tried to take them and fly them out into outer space. And I'm like, really? I'm like, has it worked? I'm like, yeah, they got out there. But what if you saw your stolen vehicle (laughs) being flown past you? What would you do? I was like, well, I'd take it back. Exactly. He said, we don't allow those people to return when they do that.
2: (laughs) Do they they have UFO LoJack?
4: <laughs> they watch for them, I guess, to get past them, but it doesn't happen that often. He said because they know that we we take our ships back, and uh, he said that mankind is not ready to. Uh, they're not going to allow them until they they evolve to a certain level to um go out into outer space because there, there's just too much. Uh, we're we're too low on the spiritual rung, I guess you could say.
2: Well, I mean, if if you believe these are advanced civilizations, we are technically just starting out as an existence, as, as a as a race. We're still pretty young compared to some of these other.
4: We, we are, but, you know, you can't doubt the human potential. You truly cannot. And that's the key factor, too, that calf um, and, and other positive beings have, have said in regards to, you know, people see these big, bad aliens coming to abduct them, and they're kicking and screaming, but then they're made to be paralyzed, and they can't fight them off. You can fight them off. These things do not have as much power as we think they do. The human potential is something else. And one thing that I think is a very interesting thing to note when it comes to alien uh, abducting people, the the abductee will, like, ask certain things, you know, or scream certain things at the aliens like, you know, uh, who are you? What do you want? Does it, uh, the aliens won't say anything. They, sometimes they'll say stuff, and it's usually just a bunch of you know they they throw whatever story they want at people. But when the person says, "You have no right to do this," you know, "You're you're not allowed to do this," they only stop dead in their tracks and they turn around and they try to convince them, "Yes, yes, we can. You you uh, you uh, agreed to this." Like they try to convince them that you agreed to this. There's a form of an agreement that is made between. Humans and these aliens, and it's like people say, I would never agree to such a thing. But it's, it's an, it's a permission that's granted that was tricked out of people. It can be something as simple as, uh, you dreamt that your sister was, was at your door, knocking on your door, and, and you go to, get the door, you look out, looks like your sister, but something is just screaming in your heart that something's just not right, this isn't my sister, but you go against your better judgment, you open up the door. It's very much like having to welcome the vampire into your home. You know, they cannot come in unless you welcome them in. And, yeah, it was a a dream to you, but in a form, and in a sense, you gave a form of permission for these things to gain access to you because there's, like, some kind of universal law that, you know, doesn't allow them to gain access to you unless you open up the door for them. Strange, but it happens.
2: Well, we're going to take a quick break here. And on the other side, we would like to, because we are gluttons for punishment, get back into some of the negative side here, and we will talk about the Hat Man. Mm-hmm. And if anybody would like to call in and speak with Heidi about their own experiences with shadow people or, or aliens of any sort, 508 996 0500, 508 291 0500. We'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast.
1: Don't look now, but Spooky South Coast is creeping up behind you right after this. Beaming from the studios of AM 1420 WBSM into the night and beyond. Here's more of Spooky South Coast. I would like,
0: if I may, to take you on a strange... Am I ready?
2: Yes, your mind is beginning to work. Yes, I, I, I'm confident that I can counteract it with more power, yes. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. 508-996-0500. 508-291-0500 for Wareham and the Cape. If you have some questions, some experiences, some thoughts, some theories that you would like to share with us about shadow people, about aliens, about anything in general, we do have uh, one of our fearless groups that call us in on a frequent basis, New England Paranormal Association, supposedly out in the field tonight if the rain allowed them to do so. We would love for them to check in and let us know if they found anything. But right now we are talking with Heidi Hollis. How, and Heidi, how are you? I'm great. are you holding up here with, uh, with my voice? Yeah, I'm really sorry. I mean, just words drop off in the middle, and I, I usually don't sound this bad.
4: Puberty does that to you.
2: Yeah, I wish. I'm still a few years away. I, I used to always say when I was growing up, you know, it's like, I just wish my voice would drop, like, one more, just one more octave, just a little bit lower, and it never did. So I guess I got my wish. I got the lower range, but I just I can't put out all the words. I understand. okay, looks like we actually have a call coming in, so uh let's let's check in here and and see who's on the line. Good <laughs> the buttons stick here. <laughs> good evening, you're on spooky South Coast. how you doing? Hey, how you doing? All right. Do you have a question for Heidi or an experience you'd like to share? Ah uh, no, it's an Eagles angel. Oh, how you doing? I'm good. You, this is one of our um, most dedicated message board posters, and we've been waiting for her to call in and share with us our, her her personal stories. Hi, you don't mind if she if she joins us, do you? Oh, go for it. All right. So how how are you doing now? Ooh, wait a minute, I've got an echo. Go. Okay. Oh, yeah, you got to turn the radio down. I've always <laughs> wanted to say you? that. I've always wanted to say that to somebody. Uh, Caller, you need to turn your radio down. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. Uh, how are you guys? Very good. It's nice to finally talk to you. Yes, I've been
0: listening to Heidi all night. It's really fascinating. What can she say would set these apart from like something like a negative energy feed or like a lower-level demon? It sounds like there's a lot of similarities there. Uh, I, I've, I, it kind of broke up. I couldn't hear you.
2: She wanted to know how these how these negative, uh, the shadow people and these negative uh, alien beings, how they're related to demons and, and negative energy feeders, what kind of similarities they might have. I
4: believe that they're one and the same, actually. Um, you know, I think back in the day they called them demons. Today we call them aliens, but they all seem to do the same thing and feed off from the same things and influence the same things.
2: Now, Collie, you've had a lot of experiences with these negative entities in your life, correct? Hello? Is that me? Oh, yes, yes. Sorry about that. Sorry, I, just said, I didn't want to use your real name on the air, so I, I, called, okay. you, I called you Caller. <laughs> you so called me Caller. You, you've had some of these uh, negative entities, that you've, you've had experiences with them through the course of your life, correct?
0: Yeah, 22 years worth of it.
2: And have they ever given you any sign that they could be aliens from another planet, or...?
0: No, I'd never thought that. I've, I've never actually seen a shadow person. Um, most of the things that I've heard about the shadow people, I've never, like, heard in conjunction with aliens before. Most people think that they're um, sometimes, like, things from another dimension or they're, you know, a demon. I've heard the red eye thing before, um, but nothing, you know, that actually linked it to demons. I was really
2: interested in listening there. Well, Heidi is on the forefront of that theory, so
0: yeah i can I can tell it's kind of scary. I'm like hoping I haven't been abducted and I don't know it um, because it is actually funny that she said you know that you do have power over these things, and it was like I had multiple blessings of my home done over the years. Um, other people were being affected my children, uh company coming to the house and things like that i've I've never seen anything that way this This thing was like an invis- an totally invisible entity that you know would just do things to people and especially in their beds sleeping when they right. were vulnerable.
4: exactly they're cowards, they like to do that i mean if if they really wanted to if they could totally take us out, they would come to us as they are but our human potential is more powerful than than people realize it truly is.
2: Yes. Heidi, is it possible that these negative aliens, that they can leave something behind when they're not present, that can continue to draw that energy from you?
4: There are so many of them that go around, they can leave a piece of themselves. That's why on my website, uh, shadows.ufotu.com, it has drawings of the shadow streaks, little clouds. Uh, they observe. They can observe. They, they can hear and sense when someone is speaking about them. And let me tell you, every time I go to talk about them, uh, they used to really bug me a lot, you know, personally, but now because I, I have my defenses up well enough where I could keep them at a pretty good distance. And now they bug people that are closest to me or friends and it's like, Oh my god, Heidi, what are you doing? I can't sleep anymore So yeah, they they um they can sense and they can keep tabs on you quite easily. It's it's not that difficult for
2: them. And that sounds like it's certainly what's been happening in your life, caller, correct?
0: Definitely. Well, it's actually been about 10 years since I have had an event with that particular entity, but that was actually when I took it in my own hands, and, you know, it was waking me up one night, and I said, nope, this is the end, and I told it to go away, that it had no power over me, and it took someone telling me that, that I had that power, that I could tell it to go away for me to actually be able to do that. Right, You know, right. Um, I mean, it was something that I lived with from the time I was a child mm-hmm. until I became an adult, you know, right. and other people started having problems. And then I saw my children being scared in the night mm-hmm. that I really decided I had to do something about it. And like I say, I finally did get help and I had blessings and they didn't do a thing. I, I could move and it might take a while, you know, a few months, six months or so, but it would find me again.
4: That's the difference between a ghost and a shadow person. The shadow people will follow you no matter where you go. It's not a haunting. They're after you. They want a piece of you. They want a piece of your essence, your soul even. They will do whatever it takes to get to you. And, you know, people say, you know, I had my home blessed or whatever. I'm like, did you do it yourself? And it's usually, no, I had so-and-so do it." it. It's you that they're after. So you have to take a stance you have to go and bless every corner of your home and seal off the doors and keep you know backing your way out of your home to the exit sealing off every every uh exit to each room and when when you're faced with these things i tell people outright you have to just stand your ground and i'm not talking about getting angry or getting overly anxious stand your ground say no this isn't going to happen not anymore keep a prayer going in your head the whole time and have absolutely no doubts that you can indeed get rid of them because the second you start doubting yourself or the situation they have an inch to get in at you again so i you you just really have to it's like throwing a, a brick wall at them without getting angry without getting sad or scared and just stand your ground keep that prayer going and uh It works. There's there's just, you can't doubt that it will, and it it does work. And they don't like the name of Jesus. They don't like the name of God. And people have told me, well, when the aliens have taken me, you know, because I I treat the aliens and the shadow people in the same capacity pretty much, when the the aliens are taking me, I'm like, oh, God, help me. You know, please don't let them take me, and they still take me. And I'm like, you know, there's this movie that I once saw. I believe it was Salem's Lot and it's about vampires, and a vampire came up to this man, and the man threw up a cross at the vampire holding it. And the vampire grabbed the cross out of the man's hand, and he said, you have to have faith in order for that to work. And that is very much the same scenario. You can't just throw things around loosely and not believe in what you're saying. You have to have faith behind it.
0: Yep, I think that's what it takes really yeah. to get these things, you know, whether it's a ghost or a demon or, you know, something worse, an alien, um, you know, I really think that you can have more control of your life than what you even realize. Oh, Mind yeah. over matter. I mean, you know, I really do believe that. Oh, yes. That's for right. certain. You're living proof of that. You got rid of them. Yeah. Well,
2: hope yeah, it stays right. that way. And hopefully <laughs> uh, your story can be inspirational to listeners that might have a similar entity Bothering them, and of course, you you know, you're, you've been very good about always posting on our message board, and you also have your own message boards that you run as well. Why don't you just tell everybody what those are, real quick? Okay,
0: I have two of them. Uh, one of them is The Spirit Society, it's at www.spiritsociety.org, and the other is Spirited Society, um, that's at www.spiritedsociety.net. Um, they're both related, but kind of different. Spirit Society wants to be um, a searchable database that can help, you know, the public and ghost hunters alike, um, you know, to find information, research information. Um, Spirited Society wants to see, you know, people who have had experiences share things, um, you know, and be able to be comfortable about things like that. I mean, I had a terrible problem for so long and it actually took my children being scared before i said well i have a problem i have to talk to someone you know it was like my little secret so to me it's really important for people to be able to feel comfortable about sharing these things and getting oh yeah for sure
2: you know we thank you for sharing and uh, thanks for having me oh we're always welcome always welcome here call anytime thanks very much all right thanks And if anybody has had similar problems and they need advice, of course, you can contact her through our message board as well. She posts as an eagle's angel, so she's got plenty of posts up there. You can find her, and she'll be able to help you out. Now, uh, Heidi, one thing that we've been teasing and we want to get to is the hat man. Yes. He is the supposed, you know, the head shadow person. Well,
4: actually, you know what? I once thought that... he was indeed a shadow person, and um, I was very hesitant to delve into the topic until I did the Coast to Coast show. Um, and it, it's because the types of letters that I was getting in regards to the drawings that I have on my Com site that I finally said, you know, I have to come forward and, and be honest about the information that's pouring in about this man. People were writing, telling me, that this man, he shows up at people's bedside, and for the most part, he stares at them. He wears a three-piece suit, sometimes a um, old-fashioned watch with a chain, is seen. He has a fedora-type hat on, and sometimes seen with a goatee, sometimes red eyes, sometimes black eyes, and he's a distinctive-looking man. And when people write to me about him, almost always they say, he's the devil, isn't he? Satan came to visit me, didn't he? Why did Satan come to visit me? You know, and, you know, I have heard some reports where he's uh, sexually assaulted some people. Sometimes he's choked a few people. But for the most part, he just stares and watches. And I've now heard uh, people saying, you know, to see him standing on the side of a road just before they had a car accident or just before they avoided a car accident or afterwards and odd things like that. And... Uh, It's a phenomenon that's spreading all over the world. I've had letters sent to me from everywhere, and they're like, my God, I didn't know that others had seen him before until I went to your website, and I can't believe that others have seen him. You know, they're just, like, amazed that this is going on, and it's a disturbing phenomenon. He is a solid being. He's not a shadow person, but he may indeed be in charge of the shadows and Sometimes and oftentimes when people see him, they either just before or afterwards start seeing shadow people on a regular basis. So something there is a definite connection. I have been in a car where uh, my best friend looked in a rearview mirror, and there he is sitting in the back seat of my car. And I don't talk to my friends about this stuff so much. And I'm sitting there, and she goes, oh, my God, and I'm like, what? It's like, the guy from your website. He was just sitting in the back seat of the car, I'm like, "Get out of here!" Uh, my sister was uh, saw him in her backseat seat of her car. I don't know if she had turned around and was backing up, or she looked in the rearview mirror and she saw him there. And just, uh, you know, he just pops up anywhere and everywhere, and it's uh, very disturbing, you know, unholy encounters. You know, there's there's a increase in holy encounters all around the world, and <clears throat> a lot of people. I think this is important to note. A lot of people that, that have reported seeing Jesus and, and other holy encounters uh, feel that they're undeserving to have seen something like that. Well, I think the same is true for people who see uh this, this hat man, you know, that's not always deserving that she's got a visit by the devil. <laughs> so I don't think that people should think, oh, my God, you know, I'm... I must be an evil person to have such a thing happen to me, or even as far as the shadow people are concerned. You know, these things come to people all the time that aren't, uh, outright deserving such a thing to happen. They just have to make sure that they keep these things at a considerable distance.
1: <clears throat> uh, kind of reminds me of the book. Hello? Kind of reminds yes. me of the book by, uh, Donald Kehoe, Mothman Prophecies.
4: Ah, yeah. Mm hmm where that uh, entity would show up just before a tragedy would happen.
1: Correct. A good friend of mine is one of the subjects in uh, Keel's book. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend, I'll use a name, Don, just to mm-hmm. use a name, right. uh, had been involved in a car accident and had this same type of specter following him around uh, even up until this day. Uh, I've interviewed a couple other people from Keyhole's book uh, and other individuals that have run across shadow people and to a certain degree you're right, they are harbingers of doom and gloom if you want to put it that way Uh, but the reports that I've gotten from other people uh, have also mentioned that they generally stay attached to those people for a certain specific amount of time. Now it when you're dealing with your shadow people, do they just deal with a, you as a in a short amount of time as well?
4: The shadow people, I I had them for uh, bugging me for a few good years actually, and I only was able to get rid of them once I was taught how to from the positive alien contact that I was having, and also these. These beams of light, their balls of light, would come and attack them and send them on their way, which I later learned was from the positive alien beings doing that, um, or angelic-type presence. Um, so I, it, to say if it was a certain amount of time, I mean, every once in a while I still get a little visit here or there. It's like they're feeling me out to see how much more they can push, and I just, you know, send them on their way. The number one form that they come to me as are in the form of giants spiders, shadow spiders, which are quite irritating, or shadow cats. I had a really, really awful shadow cat experience <laughs> once. But, um, yeah, they, they're, um, I don't know, they, they seem to test the ground, see if they can absorb some fear out of you or scare the crap out of you and try to stop you from doing what it is that you need to do because you get sidetracked because of them.
2: And also, shadow spiders aren't necessarily something you have to see to experience, they can also be, you can have that feeling, that sensation that they're crawling on you, and there's yeah. nothing there.
1: Or if you watch Babylon yep. 5, the shadows from Doom look like spiders.
2: Yes,
0: that's true.
2: <laughs> I don't watch it, so I'll take your word for it. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's just one thing that I've always experienced is, you know, I get this feeling like there's a flea or something on me, and then when I go to brush it away, there's nothing there. And yeah. I never really thought twice about it until I started hearing about these shadow spiders. Yeah. <laughs> you like how my voice just goes away when I say it, too. Uh, that, was, trick. that wasn't that was fear. That was totally, totally homeless. Well, we're going to take one more quick break, our final break of the show. And on the other side, we will talk to Heidi about how you can get her books. And we will talk to her about our new program coming up on the Discovery Channel titled X-Ops. So we will be right back here on Spooky South Coast.
0: Alive. It's alive. It's alive.
2: It is alive, and it's back. It's Spooky South Coast. We're here for, I don't know, about uh, another nine minutes or so. And so, Heidi, we want to give you an opportunity to let people know how they can get your books. And I know that we. Um, you said that you were looking for uh, a publisher for your latest book. Jesus
0: is no joke.
4: Correct. Yeah, that's still on the market looking.
2: <laughs> and uh, do you, in your first book, The Secret War, that's still available?
4: Yes, the secret war is available. Um, you could go and order it through Amazon.com and just type in my name, Heidi Hollis, and find it that way. Or you could go to one of my websites. Um, there's alienadvice.com and, uh, UFO, the letter two, the number two and the letter U.com. Um, I have Shadows.UFO2.com and Jesusisnojoke.com. Mm-hmm. I have quite a few of them. But, um, if people want to, like, get in touch with me to ask any kind of questions or share their experiences uh, from aliens to angels, they could go to alienadvice.com and uh, write me at Heidi at alienadvice.com, and I'll do my best to give you some friendly advice.
2: And we have links to all your sites up on our website, spookysouthcoast.com, and we're going to leave them up there all week. So if anybody needs to get in touch with Heidi, you can always go through that route as well. Yeah. And Now, what about this new program that's going to debut soon on the Discovery Channel called X-Ops? What is the idea behind the show?
4: X-Ops is a team of very cool investigators <laughs> from all over the country with different specialties and expertise. Um, we are sent out anywhere in the world to go and investigate and check out uh, any kind of uh, variety of, of paranormal or mis- mystery uh, topics. So anything from crop circles, uh, hauntings, alien reports, UFO reports, um, ancient mystical mystery type stuff, we go out, check it out, and we have a really cool team of people. We have a couple of psychics, we have ghost hunters, we have crop circle investigators. Uh, It's it's a fun-filled show. I mean, it is just, we have so, so much fun doing it. And there is no outright air date yet. We are still waiting to hear what Discovery Channel has decided upon uh for an air date. So we're still waiting on that. When I know, I'll definitely contact you guys, <laughs> I'll let you know. But uh oh, definitely, we'll, ha- we'll
2: have you come on and talk about it uh before it premieres.
4: Oh yeah, oh, it's a fun show, and and it's something I think it's needed because there's so many things that are out there and going on, and you hear about it listening to shows like yours. Even it's like would be cool if just like some real people would go out and film like let's see what we find here people you know and <laughs> report it and you know have people check it out and experience it right along with us and it's like a real life X files show that's pretty much the gist of it
2: about how many episodes have you filmed
4: we've got the pilot in the bag we got that done and we're just waiting for the go ahead to continue on with it so we're waiting to see what uh, it's. It's hard to like know what's what's going on when you don't have the first uh, air date <laughs> scheduled to go just
2: yet. But we're still getting things planned and well, I know. Dis- go, I know Discovery has a whole, you know, batch of new programming uh, dedicated around the paranormal in the works. I believe John Zaffis is developing a show for them as well. So maybe yeah. they're just waiting for all the elements to come together, and then we're going to have a nice, you know, a nice night of paranormal. We could have X Ops, and then the the John Zaffis show, and you know, and just have a good night where we can all talk about it the next day.
4: Yeah. Oh, god. I think it'll be cool. I mean, paranormal topics are becoming hugely popular these days. I mean, people are starting to think and wonder, and they're they're not following along with the typical media uh, hype about you know this stuff is all crazy. You know, don't look into that. People are interested. I mean, the top rated shows out there are all paranormal. Every night of the week, you can watch something that's out of the ordinary now.
2: You exactly, know, people, which is what we want. We want people to watch it because then yeah. the extraordinary can become a little more ordinary for people.
4: Exactly, exactly. I mean, if we stop, you know, making fun of or always looking for somebody to debunk a story once it's been reported, I think that a lot of ground will get covered. I really think that we'll actually make some good progress and this won't be, it won't be called an ordinary, you know, it'll be considered the ordinary.
2: All right, well, Heidi, we thank you very much for joining us tonight, especially on short notice. Oh,
4: gosh, that's no problem. I'd love to come back on again and have
2: some more fun with you guys. This All right, we'll great. definitely have you back. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. And, uh, and Matt Moniz, why don't you tell everybody out there about who our guest will be next week?
1: Uh, next week we've got Peter Robbins. He's the co-author of the book uh, Left at Eastgate with uh, Larry Warren. Uh, now, Larry was one of the key witnesses that came forward with the Rendlesham Forest case. I uh, worked closely with both Peter and uh, Larry, analyzing soil samples and other materials and things like that, and that was some of the material I brought in the first time I was mm-hmm. in here. Uh, in the book, it, it totally details all of the events that happened over uh, consecutive nights, and it's a very gripping book, and it tells some stuff that uh, you know most people in upper levels don't want you to know. Well,
2: it sounds like it'll be a very intriguing show. We'll have more information up on our website, com, during the week, so you can find out a little bit more about Peter and his book, and we can uh, get a nice lively discussion going about it next week. We will be here at the same time, 10 to midnight, our usual time slot. I think we're not going to be preempted for the Red Sox, at least until the last week of April. Once we do, we'll come on about 10.30 or so, as soon as the game is over. But So for Matt Costa, Matt Moniz, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you to stay spectacular, and we'll talk to you next week.
1: Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow.
0: I know the supernatural is something that isn't.